0: And welcome back to our second podcast, The World of Heritage. We are really excited to meet another one of our fellow students today. But before that, we want to introduce ourselves again real quick. My name is Stephanie and here with me is Nilofar. Hi, guys. And we are the moderators for today. We are students of the World Heritage Studies program at the BTU. And this podcast is our study project for the Queering the Narratives course, which is organized by our lecturer, Mrs. Caitlin Williams.
1: In each episode, we have a new guest from the BTU heritage community, and we are excited to introduce to you our second guest, Anna Gaino-Tinova. Anna was born in Riga, Latvia, and grew up in St. Petersburg. After she graduated from school, she moved to Moscow to study at university. Her background studies are a bachelor and master in law of science, and a double degree master of art history and fine and applied arts and architecture. She has had a very impressive academic background. Besides the studies, she also has worked as an advisor at Moscow Architectural Institute and research and assistant lecturer at the MSU University in Moscow. Along with her publications of her management projects, she was also an active board member of ICOMOS Russia. This great passion for cultural studies led her to start her master's in Germany, and she is in her third semester of the World Heritage Studies. We are so happy to have you here, and thank you so much for taking your time and joining us for this talk. Well,
2: thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... You finished your first degree in law, but how and why did you decide to shift from the law to the architecture and heritage world?
2: Well, it's a, actually, it's a sort of anecdote. I was completely unsatisfied with uh, my study in law academy uh it's my political well most politically political issues and uh, most of my friends uh, were students of moscow state university so i decided to move there and not to transfer from one to another because uh these law schools in moscow academy where i was a student and in moscow state university uh was was completely different and um it wasn't possible. And uh, so I enter this building uh, to uh, hand in my application. Uh, And then I saw that every faculty, every department uh, in this building has the same um, exams for entering. So I decided, why should I stuck with law science? I can choose anything else. So I just enter the elevator and decided that uh, the first floor I will arrive, this floor will be like my future profession. And uh, it is happened; it was like happened that it was a faculty department of, of history. Uh, and uh, because my mother um, was and is an architect, so I decided to move to history of art. Uh, and of course, I enter well quite smoothly. And uh, from that time on this became my obsession
1: could you tell us more about your working experience in the heritage field after uh, i graduated from the university
2: um, well it it, it, again was a political and economical situation in russia it wasn't possible to earn enough money uh in uh, well being a scientist because that's what i wanted to be actually but um it wasn't possible uh, so I started to find, look, looking for some other opportunities and I shifted from one, um, like things to another. Uh, I was a contemporary art curator and um, for seven years I was a chief exec- executive in art gallery uh, and also was a fashion shooting producer in international fashion magazine. And, um, well, lots of other things. Uh, And um, then the economical crisis uh, stroke and uh, all these uh, amazing uh, opportunities to party and earn money for being a cool person, um, they just ended. And um, I started to looking for a job in more uh, stable uh, enterprise. And that's how I became an advisor for Moscow government, like uh, heritage department. Uh, yes. And that's how I I find this heritage thing. Uh, and also I, I realized that it's the best, uh, actually, sphere where my two uh, masters can work together. So, yes. And um, also I met... Lots of uh, absolutely amazing people. Uh, They uh, uh, encouraged me and inspired me a a lot. And I get a lot of support for the first time in my life from the uh, uh, experts, from the elders for being like so uh, energetic person and uh, also they shared my basic education so most of them were historian of arts or historian of architecture yeah so it was like a completely new life it was very very interesting yeah basically
0: so amazing (laughs) (laughs) so we also found out that you were working for icomos in russia what was so special about working for icomos
2: uh, at the time when I uh, became a board member of uh, Russian ICOMOS, it uh, just went through the most severe crisis. Because, well, Russian ICOMOS is one of the oldest ecomos in the world. Uh, but it was uh, during the Soviet period, it, w- it was a very, it was a closed club. Uh, It contained only like 25-30 members. All of them were um, like very, very high uh, officials from Minister of Culture and like something like that. Um, But in 1990s, uh, of course, uh, Russian ICOMOS opened uh, its doors and embraced all other professionals from different fields. Uh, And, uh, uh, but... During the next nine years it uh, became more and more like uh, I don't know how to say it well it's the the energy just died out and uh, the president of ecomos he just um, usurped power and <laughs> he didn't want to. Uh, transfer his post to other candidates. So international Kamoz just um, stopped the accreditation, uh, and uh, the Russian Kamoz was no longer uh, was. <laughs> yeah, and um, so the nine, the 2016, as far as I remember, when uh, the process of rebirth, rebirth, re, 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 I don't know reconstruction of something uh, had become and uh, yeah it was very very uh, interesting work uh, I took part in writing the bylaws for um, Russian ICOMOs, and we established several scientific committees and uh, emerging professional working groups and um, it was very uh, important also important part of my career and uh, we had uh, scientific symposiums and uh, uh, Lots of other things, so it was a very encouraging period also. Yeah, it was very special, and uh, it was uh, an opportunity to do something important for Russian heritage, uh, because the situation as it stands now is not so good with heritage. We lost approximately 1,000 sites or monuments in a year because of inappropriate uh, government policy. Uh, So being a part of international community with real power to influence was very important.
1: Thanks, Anna. Thank you so much for your explanation about ICOMO's period of your work experience. I would like to also learn about why did you decide to study for another master in Germany and how did you end up applying for World Heritage Studies?
2: Uh, Well, actually, uh, Germany was not uh my target uh like i uh, the world heritage study program was highly recommended by my uh, e colleagues in russia so i applied especially for this program and uh, well it just happened to be in germany yes so i and uh, actually i'm very satisfied with um, the program itself I'm, I'm not satisfied with the COVID restrictions. <laughs> yeah, because it, it absolutely should be much, much, much more interesting. But, well, we have what we have. So, the World Heritage Study Program was my uh, priority. And, uh, yeah.
0: Thanks, Anna, so much for answering our questions so far. And also, thanks to you guys for listening. We will take a short break and we will be back soon with more questions for our guest.
1: welcome back to our second part so now we want to learn more about the time after moving to germany anna uh, what do you like the most about living in germany especially considering you moved from moscow to berlin and later to Cottbus? how did you like this new living environment
2: well, uh, I like uh, it in Cordoba uh, because it's really small city. Is as you probably know, I have uh, a kid. He's eight years old, uh, and it's very convenient to live with a little kid in Cottbus because everything is like five minutes, <laughs> and you and you are there. Uh, okay, and uh, also I like. Uh, The surroundings of the city, Uh, lots of uh, forests and lakes, we can't stop um, observing it and exploring it. Uh, We really like forest people actually living all my life in the megapolis, (laughs) I can confess. Yeah, so it's really nice, but also it's very quiet uh, and a bit boring for me. Uh, uh, So I prefer Berlin actually, uh, because it's... uh, real big city and i have a lot of friends there uh and uh, the city never sleeps uh, because in Columbus it's just i don't know when you went out on sunday and you can go through the whole city and meet no one it's a bit strange <laughs> scary actually Yeah, Um, and I miss Moscow a bit, uh, well, quite a lot because I also have lots of friends there uh, and uh, I still uh, work for Russian Heritage uh, from from Germany uh, and sometimes it's very hard uh, not to buy a ticket and uh, want to see how it's going there. Um, Yeah, but but basically, well, my son, uh, he likes uh, here very much because, uh, as he says... In Cottbus, much, much, much more trees than people, and he likes it. (laughs) This is so So. cute.
0: I um, I personally didn't visit Cottbus yet because of the Corona semester. I have Mm -hmm. been to Berlin, but I'm really looking forward to visiting Cottbus soon in the future, hopefully. In the process of you and your family moving to Germany, what was the most challenging time for you? You know,
2: most challenging time. Um well, most challenging time for us. It's uh, morning, <laughs> because we have to wake up like six thirty every weekdays. It's it's killing me actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, I can't say that anything was particularly difficult. Uh, it's difficult, st- difficult times now, so you can't compare. Um, it, it, it isn't my first time of moving to different uh, country for a long period, uh, but you actually can't compare it to anything because you're completely cut off from everything and everyone. And this is difficult. Yeah, but the sh- the the, tr- the shift itself, the transfer but it wasn't difficult. It's okay. Let's see.
0: So, how could you deal with the year of the pandemic by now considering that you are a very adventurous person? Could you travel a bit in the summer or was it just you being in Cockboost with your son? Uh,
2: mm, well, he's uh, he's at school. So, our travel activity depends on the school schedule now. Yes, yeah, so uh, and his school year had started 10th of August. So like period when we usually travel the most. Yes. So no, uh, we hadn't traveled a lot uh, in summer, but we had a very long trip from Russia to Kodbus. Uh I drove us in my car <laughs> for five days. Uh, from yeah, we uh, visited lots of nice places in Latvia, in uh, Estonia, in Poland. Um, I'm not a, a great fan of driving, so I made only 300 kilometers per day. That's why it it took so long. Uh, but but we had a really nice time in different places. So it was
1: our like travel. Yeah. The different lifestyle. Considering you came from Russia, how big is the difference in lifestyle between russian and, and Germany? Uh, well, uh, I don't I, actually. I, I I don't see the
2: big difference because uh, when you live in uh, this kind of well, in huge city like Moscow or Berlin, it's uh, like all the difference you have. It's uh, usually the language you talk with uh, people in the streets or in the shops. Mm. Uh, and well, everything had changed because well, in Moscow, I had a job uh, and uh, here I only study. So I have a lot of spare time. I can walk. Uh, I can read a lot. Um, and uh, well, the main difference, as I said, it's this early mornings. Everyone, I, I think when I, when I look in, out of my window in the evening, like it's seven o'clock and almost Like, no, okay, not seven. Okay, nine o'clock and all the windows are dark outside. It's bizarre, (laughs) actually. And uh, I don't know. I think that's basically it. Uh, Also, because of the pandemic, uh, you can't uh, communicate with other, like, like with native people, people a lot right? So you live inside your capsule with your family and uh, your lifestyle, mainly the same as it was.
1: Thanks a lot. Anna, we need to take a quick break and come back with the third part of our podcast very soon.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the study program, Anna. While applying for the major, what was your expectation from the program, and are you satisfied so far?
2: Yes, I'm quite satisfied. Expectations are met, and uh, well, I exact, I knew exactly what i I will have from my colleagues because. Um, we have a couple of alumni from uh, this, th- this program. I was a bit disappointed with the um, uh, first semester introduction compulsive courses. Actually, uh, being like an expert, I can say that uh, only half of it like, is missing. Uh, I believe that they have to give more basics and uh, complement them with uh, the readings they gave. Because the, re- the readings are amazing. Because I, have a, I had a basics already. And uh, these readings, they just add a lot to these basics. But I understand that for students who don't have basics, it's quite confusing and difficult to understand what to do with all this information. Yeah. But uh, so for me, it was good. Actually, uh, I but I understand what that for others it's not so good. Um, but all the rest is mainly great, and uh, of course, again, this uh, challenging times. It's very difficult for uh, lecturers to keep up with uh, the courses, uh, and something uh, might be missing, uh, missed. But. Uh, also, I like uh, that all the lectures are online now, so I can re-watch, re- re-watch them uh, every time I want. And I can stop the video and uh, re-listen something I did here quite, quite good. Yeah, so, sorry, it's, it wasn't the answer to your, actually, question. But, <laughs> yeah, so I'm satisfied, <clears throat> mainly.
1: Uh, Anna, have you already decided which direction and topic you want to follow for your master thesis? And can you explain us a bit about your topic and your consideration? Well, it's a bit
2: difficult uh, because, well, yes, I wanted to explore the um, two cultural landscapes uh, in northern Russia. One of them is already in the list and another is in the tentative list. And uh, uh, they both are associative cultural landscapes uh, with many layers of different periods, senses and everything. Uh, but I'm not sure if I will be able to travel to, to make real good work. Yes, uh, so now it's uh, everything like hanging in the air, I don't know. But I really wanted to, to do this cultural landscape management thing, something about that.
0: For all those listeners who, does, uh, who do not know what an associative landscape is, a, um, a cultural landscape is um, the connection between nature and culture. And an associative cultural landscape is if you have like a spiritual meaning about a landscape and that's why it's inscribed in the world heritage list. So Anna, what would you recommend new graduates to get to get into the field of heritage? whom should they contact, how to, like, what should I do to find a job or an apprenticeship or an internship?
2: Uh, well, I think the advisory bodies for World Heritage Center is a good place to start for internships or some basic advice, uh, mainly uh, the people who are uh, members of these advisory bodies, I mean, ECOMOS, IUCN or ICROM, uh, all of them, all of these three organizations uh, have uh, the like new target for emerging professionals. So they are all very keen to engage more emerging professionals into their work Uh, and uh, so they provide with opportunities. Uh, The ICROM held the internship, and different uh, scientific committees of ECOMOS also uh, have mentorship programs, but for for this, you have to be um, a member of ECOMOS, of course. So uh, as all our other lecturers used to say, uh, don't waste time apply for membership in Nicolas <laughs> or IUCN, become a part of this amazing international organizations. Uh, they have a very good network, professional network, and uh, you will always find um, support there. Um, also, I don't know It's uh, if uh, it is about the international uh, opportunities, but... Every country has its uh, like national network and national uh, um, bodies. So it, it always it, it is good to contact uh, the national committee uh, of ICOMOS, for instance, because I'm not a member of IUCN. I don't know how it works, actually. Uh, but uh, if we're talking about ICOMOS, it's uh, usually a very good start to contact uh, the national committee. Uh, and and uh, one can find uh, the contacts of national committees uh, at the uh, website of international Workforce. so you can contact and ask questions and you will receive an answer <laughs> I, i'm sure and uh, well it's a good start anyway
0: wow thanks so much anna time flew by and we are already at our last question for today's talk, which is, what is your favorite World Heritage site and why?
2: Uh, well, I don't, know. I don't have a favorite World Heritage site because uh, when you start to uh, look into any of them, uh, it has uh, all the opportunity to become your favorite because they all are amazing. Uh, and uh, all this thing about outstanding universal value let transcend the international borders and stuff. <laughs> yes. So well, my playground is uh, Solovetsky uh, Historical and Architectural Ensemble. Um, but uh, I can't say that it's my favorite. St. Petersburg is quite a beautiful city. And it's almost all of it uh, is uh, the uh, World Heritage Site. I like Genova very much. It also, well, you just... I don't know, go to the World World Heritage Committee website (laughs) and pick any of them. All of them are amazing.
1: Thank you, Anna. It was such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you for Uh, having me. Thanks a lot. We hope the pandemic gets over soon so we would be able to meet you in person. We wish you and your family health and so much success for this year in your career and your upcoming projects. Also, thanks to you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy to learn a bit more about our classmate, Anna.
0: Furthermore, you can follow us on Instagram. The name of our Instagram page is the World of Heritage. We would be happy to hear your comments, and we hope you also listen to our next episode of the World of Heritage podcast, where we will talk to Liz. Liz is an architect from South Africa and also moved back last month. Thanks again for listening. If you're interested in sharing your story on our podcast, you can send us a message. See you!